millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review AEW Collision. What do you make of this week's show? I really enjoyed some of it. Mm-hmm. I lo- What I loved about it, I loved the execution, not the way in which it was set up. Mm-hmm. Some of it was mid, as Collision can be. Um, some of it was probably a bit long, even though it was good as collision can get. Mm-hmm. It's very much established. Um, it's rhythms. I personally think it's a bit unexciting at times. Like, I don't think it, like, people loved last week. I was a little bit lower on it because my mileage varied on the big, big match. Um, but I it's this show's found its rhythm, it's found its identity. I like that it's different to dynamite. Mm. I don't think I've been absolutely blown away by an episode of Collision in much the same way as there've been countless dynamites yes. where I finished watching that show and went, you know what? That was transcendent. I'm in love with professional wrestling. I'm so glad I chose this as a hobby and as my recreation because this is amazing. <laughs> I've never had that overwhelming feeling yet watching Collision. Um, But philosophically, there are things on this show that I'm a big fan of. Mm. Um, But the things they do on this show to differentiate it from Dynamite kind of prove there's no perfect way of doing things. Um, Trying to be vague to keep things, you know, to save my analysis for when we (laughs) get to them. But one of the problems I have with Dynamite and it was such a feature at the start, but then it kind of became a bug, is that they preserve massive matches and they build these big matches indirectly. It got to a point where I thought, right, I get it, Tony, but you're getting a bit stingy with things that you're not giving me. Or yeah. You're kind of taking a very, very long um, scenic route to get to a <laughs> match. With Collision, 
there's a philosophical change to the point where you are getting all-star action, but as part of that, someone has to take a pin. Yeah. And who do you pin? And that becomes an issue in and of itself, but we'll get to that later on. Yeah, I was... Well, when we, when we get to it, I'll talk you through my uh, my processes for the five bullet points that I put with every podcast we put out. Yes, okay. So because of exactly what you've laid out there. Yeah, I, I obviously like the the different the change of pace that you get comparing a deli- uh, collision to a dynamite. But yeah, like you say, with that, if you're not therefore fully invested in something, you're sort of because they give time for everything to let it breathe. You can drift. You can go. But I've, I, I'm always. I've always been satis- more than satisfied by the end of every episode of AW Collision. But it's I not been a dud. No, but there also hasn't been like you say that that dynamite f- feel sometimes of oh my oh my god I can't believe I've got to wait another six days till Collision again or whatever yeah. or oh I wish there was another half an hour to this show. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It is it's sort of like a satisfying meal, but it's not like uh, if you go out and you're like oh my god I, I'm, is it am I going to be a real Get and order another plate of that yeah. because I want it. I want. To, I don't care what it does to me and how I feel for the next few days. I just want more, more, more. Put it this way, and I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing, right? But we've talked about this before because at its best, when we watch Dynamite, we are complete nerds about it. <laughs> yeah, there have been several occasions where there's been a match I've looked forward to so much that I've looked at the clock and thinking, is there going to be enough time mm-hmm. for this to develop? My absolute main example of this was when they were going to do Escalera de la Muerte in January of this year, and I kept looking at Jake Hager's head and thinking, <laughs> why aren't you a ladder? Why aren't the ladders here? Get your face off my Just, screen. I'm, I'm done. I, I really want this match to be good. Um, I have kind of the opposite of that with Collision, where it doesn't feel urgent. It doesn't feel like the thing you're watching is absolutely monumental, so much so that you're worried about how much time is going to be allotted to it. Um, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that is, you know, intended, but yeah, I've just never so far had to just drop everything and wake up early and watch this. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's part of the fact that it's launched four years into AEW's existence where it's kind of impossible to recapture that feeling. You might say, um, I don't know. It's just, I've never watched a single one of these episodes and thought, this is the absolute epicenter of professional wrestling, mm. and I cannot wait to finish it, maybe even watch it again, and anticipate next week. Yeah, obviously you've, you've got kids, and well, I've got the impending, but prior to that happening for me, there ha- apart from maybe the opening episode, there hasn't been an episode of Collision where I was like, if I'm still awake at midnight, 1 a.m., whatever time it starts here in the U.K., Maybe I'll maybe I'll do it, but this one coming up—not to tread on our own dick too much—but this one coming up this week, especially because I believe on Sunday it's the Great American Bash, and God bless the United States. So I might train my body to stay awake for that on Sunday night. There's a bit of me that thinks maybe the one coming up this week, if I'm tottering about doing now on Saturday night, maybe I'll watch it. Like we'll get to it. We'll get, we'll to, get it. to that. Uh, I'll tell you what I do like. Pre-show hype videos down the camera lens are sort of, I don't know, they've done it on every sport, but I always get a real UFC feel to it where they open up and they go up and smash his face in or whatever. We got that from the acclaimed, from uh, Action Andretti and Darius Martin, uh, Bullet Club Gold, uh, and Ricky Starks. Uh, and we shot, start the show with an opening show promo train. But 
Uh, we'll get well. Tony Schiavone's there, brings out Owen Hart Cup winner Ricky Starks. There was a, there was a brief second again. I didn't dream this, did I? Where they flashed the word no up on the screen. Like, just as Ricky Starks got in the yes, screen. Yes, no, it's this weird production. What is it? It's, just, uh, it's happened on Dynamite a few times I remember having on that well. Dynamite, yeah. I've got no idea, but it's amateur hour. <laughs> it's it's amateur hour. And I'll tell you what as well. I, uh, I'm going to appear like a hypocrite here because I didn't mind that they didn't get everything in Blood and Guts. If anything, if they missed the odd thing, yeah. it's because there's so much chaotic, in-the-moment action in Blood and Guts that if, it, if they capture everything, it feels stilted. Yes, it feels I'd like rather they do that, and then yeah. we'll do it, yeah. On something like Collision, particularly with the rhythm of this show and the way that the matches are paced, if you're missing things on this, it's like you've got to start asking questions. Yeah, for me, I don't know anything about TV production, but it strikes me that the, the first, like a flow chart to make something onto TV... Does it have words all over the screen? Yeah. If yes, maybe don't put it on telly. Another thing on the on the they should create this like backstage like um board where there's like rules mm. for everything. Maybe the production team. One of the rules there can be is wrestler X about to hit their finish flung down. No. Okay, what else is happening? Can you cut? Line down, yes. Don't cut the friggin' camera. Because <laughs> what one or two things is going to happen, both of which are fundamentally important to the drama of the match. Either they're going to hit the finish and it's going to get kicked out of, or they're going to win, or it's going to get countered. And even that's like near the finish. Mm. If And I'll get to the specific example. If a wrestler is about to hit their finish and you know what the finish is, and there's a certain, it's wrestling, there's always or almost always a theatrical setup. If that happens, keep the camera still. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's cut. Actually, Why would you do that? It's, it's actively not doing anything. Yeah, I know. It takes effort to screw that up. It's so bizarre. Anyway, it's a tiny thing, but yeah. Um, so yeah, here comes Ricky Starks with a preposterous amount of pyro. Oh my God. These nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Where are we? Next one. Too many bloody things. Oh my God. Comes out, looks like Kevin Nash, basically, on that episode of Nitro. Uh, and Tony says, you know, Owen Hart Cup winner, but not completely without controversy. 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 Um, using the ropes, blah, blah, blah. Crowd chatting, you deserve it, nevertheless, to Ricky Starks. And he's like, yeah, I do deserve it, you know. Uh, and he's brought a bag with him. It's uh, Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. And he says, uh, speaking about... Uh, I know what you're thinking, what's in the bag? Nothing, I just want to show it off because I bought a present for myself after winning last week. And as with the, the controversial ending, it doesn't matter how I won. At the end of my career, people are going to be talking about how many I've won. Um, and anyone in my shoes, Prada, by the way, <laughs> nice, uh, would do the same thing. Um, it's by any means necessary. Just talk to me about how bloody stylish I am. This is the version of Ricky Starks we've needed. Mm-hmm. Um, as a like a question from Tony about him, disrespect, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, um, he, he sort of blows that off and then talks about the pillars. Uh, I appreciate being, you know, considered, but I'm not bothered about being a pillar. How many of the pillars have ever won the Owen Hart Cup? And then out comes CM Punk to a mixed reaction. Uh, he says, I'm not mad at you, Ricky. 
I'm actually proud of you. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've never cheated. People in New Jersey can't act like they've never cheated. And maybe if the uh, New Jersey Devils had cheated, they'd have made it out of the first round. Who's the baby face? <laughs> I also love, I love it when, you know, obvious stuff. I get it. When the Lakers beat the Kings in May. Oh, I understood both of those references. And he's like, New, New Jersey Devils. I'm like, huh? We can infer it. Yeah, though. it's the local sports team, and they suck. Uh-huh. You can infer that easily. The only, re- the other reason. I'm, a, I'm not even a casual fan of what I think is ice hockey, and yet I could infer things because yes. I'm not brain dead. What uh, the thing that uh, the other disconnect that we have as British fans is that never works here. It never works because no. it's never one town, one team. Unless you're the tune. Unless you're the tune. And it's the cathedral on the hill. <laughs> and then they put Jermaine Defoe in the audience and think. Gonna get a pop. Uh-huh. He's from round these parts, isn't he? Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, he says, I can live with the loss, does punk. Um, but can you live with the win, Ricky? And he seems to, by the look on his face, absolutely. Yep. Anyway, he goes to leave, and Starks, as he's walking up the ramp, says, uh, This bag here is as empty as yours that you've been carrying around punk. And this riles punk back up, and he gets back into the ring, gets into Starks' face, talks about Starks being just like MJF, you know denying what's obviously the truth. I'm the champion. I'm the real world champion, he says. This brings out TNT champion Christian Cage slash Luchasaurus. Um, Christian Cage says, look, we're contractually obliged to be here in New Jersey. Let's get it out of the way. Um, I'll ask just one question. What kind of man carry, carries around a title that he didn't win? Uh, just oh my God. quick word on that. Yeah, he, he's got the TNT championship on his shoulder as he, as he says this. Uh, he says... We, as the TNT champion, me and Luchasaurus, we are the faces of TNT now and forever. And then here comes Darby Allen. He's not happy about being named one of the pillars as well. He just says, look, anyone who's ride or die with this company can be a pillar, just like my good friend CM Punk. <laughs> he seems to be having a good time here, Darby. Um, he says to Luchasaurus, obviously he won the Royal Rampage uh, the previous night. He says, I'm coming for your TNT title at All Out. But hey, why don't we have a tag match? Me and Punker uh, versus Starks and the TNT champion. Whether that's Christian Cage or Luchasaurus, I don't know because Christian doesn't really wrestle anymore. And Tony Schiavone's got his hand to his ear and says, oh, uh, Tony Khan's made it official. That's the main event tonight. What was going to be the main event before that? Usual bollocks. But yeah. when it's this sort of match being advertised, I, I sort of let it slide. Oh, there's a lot to unpack here. So I'm going to do it. Right. Show opening promo train. Mm-hmm. That leads to... Good, if very long, main event match. First of all, the Triple H book this. <laughs> Second of all, as I said, I fundamentally hate uh, impromptu matches. Yeah. Absolutely hate it. I always ask the question, what was the main event going to be? It is absolutely the wrong way around. And I also understand that there's no perfect way of doing it. And announcing every single match in advance does, in fact, rob a certain spontaneity from the show. Maybe it is permissible every now and then. I would love it, personally, because I'm not only am I a pedantic details guy, but so is Tony Khan. Yes. And I think that's why I gravitate towards one promotion, mm-hmm. because not everything's the same, right? Some things are subjectively received better than others, depending on the individual and the bit of product they are consuming, okay? That's why I don't like WWE that much. Dickheads. <laughs> I wish Tony Khan, being a details guy, could say something or have this communicated through the broadcast team 
maybe just once so that it's established, say something to the effect of pro wrestling is a wild, volatile scene where there's a lot of enmity and animosity in the back. On certain weeks, because I feel like it's going to overspill, I'm going to keep a chunk of the show free in case anything happens. And if it doesn't, I will have a standby match. Yes. Remember standby matches? I remember. I almost came, Adam Wilborn, (laughs) when that was introduced into AEW Law, I think it was last year. Mm. The idea of a standby match of, well, this has gone way quicker yeah. um, than I anticipated. It's a good job I've got a standby match in the event of this happening. I That's the kind of little dorky concession to suspension of disbelief that I find pivotal about this company. And it works both ways. Was it NXT who did it once with like Joe and Zayn or someone like that, where they were like, well, we'd planned for this to be opening and then move on to other stuff, but it's run on so long, we're going to have to cut loads of other stuff because so next week. we didn't know that it was not going to go 20 minutes, it's going to go 40 minutes or whatever. Fundamentally, I only need a little, um, a tiny, tiny film yeah. of credibility. I don't need much else. I understand that wrestling is possibly the most contrived mm. art form there is, but I don't want the piss to be taken. I'll get into the content of this imminently, because I thought it was an excellent version of something I ate, mm-hmm. mostly. Um, I only need the, the tiny membrane of reality to just coat this product. If they just did something like that, and they would only have to establish this once. Yeah. What if Tony Khan said at the start of the show, or you know, at some point, at any point, and could say it through Shivani? On certain weeks, I'm going to keep a chunk of the show free mm-hmm. in case something threatens to overspill. For example, I had a suspicion that CM Punk would yeah. not um, take too kindly to the way in which the own was won. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling something like this might happen, so I have preemptively, preemptively set aside a blank period um, of television just in case a war of words came out. If you do not do this, it is so fake. And again, there's no perfect way. Do you do it this way? So it's a bit more extemporaneous. It's a bit more, you know, feels more alive, I mm-hmm. guess. Or do you just go fixture, 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 fixture? Because um, like in a weird way, right? And again, I'm sorry for doing a big meditation on this. Doing everything, the, doing the way Dynamite does it 99 times out of 100, it's still a little bit contrived. Mm -hmm. Because if you are a complete dick like me, and you extrapolate it further, what was said for next week's card, if this argument didn't happen backstage, oh, it's Rampage is going to happen, you might not have a card then as well, but at least he gives himself time to do it. That's what I mean, it's all inherently contrived, but if you make these tiny little concessions, I would be a lot happier about it, I just would. You're going to be devastated, by the way. The women were going to main event. Uh, it was going to be Ty of Valkyrie and Sky Blue. That was the penultimate match. Well, it was, it was, uh, Oh, no. I was finally going to pull the trigger on that. One more thing before I get to the actual execution of this flawed idea is that um, I understand that when I talk about how wrestling is contrived, isn't it funny, Wilborn, how all six matches on a dynamite and all the promo segments all neatly fit into two hours. <laughs> like, I know yeah. part of fiction 
and it's fiction is a contrivance. It just is. And wrestling does push it more than most forms. But I just want that tiny concession. Yeah. Otherwise, if you do the WWE route, you can just take a little dangling thread. And if you pull it, the whole thing just unspools. I just want the little concessions here and there. And the worst thing is, is like I expect AEW to be on top of these details. Um, they weren't. They weren't. They tried, though. Here's what I liked about this. Fundamentally, there was a really cool sequence of ideas that made this feel less fake than the WWE version. And, of course, I would say that. There was no entrance music interruptions. No. It felt less like a show. It felt less like they were following cues on a script. If you're going to do this segment, at least try and make it realistic. So Christian Cage has a reason to be there other than to engineer a fake match for later on. He says, I'm contractually obligated to make an appearance. I'm going to do it early, and I'm going to get it out of the way. Great character motive, mm -hmm. consistent with the kind of character he is. And because of the connection, this is what I love about details with AEW, because of the connection with CM Punk's bag and the fact that he won that title, except that Luchasaurus, you get to arrive at that line that Chris Jericho must have been really annoyed by how Jerichoian, <laughs> Jerichoian yes. that was. Like sometimes when Hamster comes out with a good tweet, I get a professional jealousy. <laughs> like, you dick, that's really good. Or like a really good insight in a podcast. Yeah. I should be like happy that we've got a good group of podcasters <laughs> here, but I just instead get pissed that I didn't think of that story yeah. in detail. Jericho probably watched that line and thought, that is in my lane, and he's just smashed down every pin. I'm mm -hmm. pissed off anyway. So that was good, right? No entrances. The Christian Cage was contractually obligated to appear. Another great detail. Uh, why does Darby Allen have his wrestling gear with him? What happens if, and again, this is the, maybe I'm overthinking this. What if Ricky Starks comes out for a celebration, okay? And CM Punk doesn't come out to interrupt, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's instead, I'm having the celebration, and CM Punk decides, I'm going to pick my spots, I'm going to let him have the celebration, I'll attack him, or I'll confront him next week or whatever. Well, Darby Allen's just wasted his money on airfare, hasn't he? <laughs> Tony Khan has just wasted his f***ing money on a hotel and accommodation for Darby Allen. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing has to happen for the fake thing to happen. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And that's when it just becomes this contrived fake thing that I just... And I know that I'm, I'm going to praise this imminently because there's one aspect that I adored about this. I hate how TNA did it. Increasingly, AEW are doing it. I hate how, through this monopoly, that... Oh, I just have to do things the WWE way. <sighs> do we? <laughs> like, do we? I hate how... And again, it's only been one week so far on Collision. But I hate how the... Well, I'm going to go out for a promo. Oh, no, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm not happy. Oh, he's not happy either. No, what we got to do later on tonight. Have a fight. It's how all wrestling is. Mm. I'll piss off with that. Right. So one fake thing has to happen. One contrived thing, convenient thing, has to happen to make this exist. And in this case, they thought about pretty much every single detail about the Derby one and not saying, oh, I've got a standby match, or we thought this might happen, so whatever. What matters more, before we move on quickly, a tired, redundant, Fake feeling WWE 
style device that Michael Sidgwick is subjectively not a fan of, mm. or reheating a talent and making them or helping them become the best version of themselves. That last bit matters more. Yes. And Ricky Starks here, that pyro display, he seems to have rediscovered his uh, mojo. Um, the stuff with the bag was another great link with Punk. The fact that he was just wearing nice shoes, the fact that he was just full of that sass again, tremendous. One of my all-time favorite things in wrestling, and I love this so much, is a wrestler being high on themselves and their achievements, disproportionate to the size of the achievement. I love it so much. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan. Who's Daniel Bryan, you should have said? <laughs> Daniel Bryan doing the yes chant. Not when he was an underdog babyface, not when he just kicked someone's head in, but by escaping with his newly won World Heavyweight title through the skin of his teeth and celebrating it as if he just scored the winner of the World Cup final <laughs> was absolutely wonderful. Celebration, disproportionate to achievement, is one of my favorite heel mannerisms. And I put my hands on the ropes, and I kind of stole one against Punk. Two minutes of the most insane pyro AEW's ever done. Absolutely wonderful right up my street, and I have not felt this way about Ricky Starks since that promo before Winter is Coming in the MGF match. Yes. Is that six months? Oh you, have to have a, you have to have yeah. a way better hit rate than that. A way be better hit rate if Ricky Starks, A, fancies himself as the face of a company, a world heavyweight title guy, or if people are fan casting him into this role, you need a significantly better hit rate than that. If every week now is as good as that or close to it, we're off to the races with Starks, and it feels like a long time coming. I couldn't have loved that more. The Christian thing was inspired, but as I said, it's always one fake thing has to happen for mm. this to happen, and the Darby Allen with his gear and a, and a plane ticket for a show on which he wasn't scheduled. Couldn't have said, oh, I was going to do a dark match. Yeah. Just these tiny little things that separate AEW from WWE for me. Yeah. And they did not consider enough of them. Do you think uh, the punk line was planned or he had it in his back pocket if he didn't get a nice reception from New Jersey? That's another problem with this. Who's the baby face and who's the heel? And I understand that, honestly, uh, in this good faith, I mean, Travis, the legend, had a nice conversation about this on Twitter. You can't disagree yeah. in, in a civil way and understand each person's um, perspective on these things. He loves the reality of this yeah. and how CM Punk is playing each side of the crowd who each have a different valid feeling and he's working them both. Mm. And I get that there is an art to what CM Punk is doing. He's very good at what he's doing. I just don't like what he's doing, if yeah. that makes sense. Ricky Starks and this heel turn would be getting over so much more if it wasn't the CM Punk show, if he had a, a baby face for you to want to like, but that dickhead Ricky Starks is cheating, being a braggadocious arsehole. If there was a really over baby face on the other side of that program. If he'd beaten Willow Nightingale in the final. Yeah. Obviously, it wouldn't work, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. A, Willie, a Willow Nightingale type baby face against this version of Ricky Starks would be money. As it is, it's really good, but it's still, it's imperfect. Mm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, so then we see Andrade El Idolo being removed from the building. This is f- I was going to swear then, but I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try and prove a point that Hamlet is the... So didn't, did we do a single swear word in SmackDown review? Which you can also listen to wherever you get your podcasts from. Maybe one. Go and, go and listen and find out. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was kicked out of the building, so he didn't involve himself in the trios title match later. How many goddamn times have we seen someone interfere in a match? So the idea is, and um, Ian Riccoboni, who is amazing on this show, by the way. Yeah. Ian Riccoboni explained... The reason why he's being kicked out is stemming from the events of last week, there was some concern that the trio's title match was not going to end cleanly. The integrity. The integrity of the match was under threat. Um, Andrade threatened to interfere or it seemed like he had a reason to interfere. Therefore, if you remove him from the building, okay, you get the integrity of a trio's title match. In and of itself, a great idea. Absolutely. You tell the fans that title matches matter. You build... The anticipation for the meeting, but the next meeting between Andrade and a member of the House of Black, all this is fine and well. Why do the fucking outcasts? <laughs> why do the fucking outcasts get to have a manager's license every single week when they interfere every week? Yeah, be consistent and do not take the piss out of my intelligence. It, it's that week where they went the referees uh, cr- cr- clamping uh, down uh, uh, in uh, it. Uh, uh, uh. Be consistent with this. Yeah. Otherwise, you're being corny, selective, and it absolutely drives me insane. Um, and I'm saying to Hamlet, like, I'm not even intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm thick. Give me an Ikea bit of flat pack pen. I can't even see it, let alone assemble it. Furniture's finished. Give me a box containing Ikea flat pack furniture, the necessary tools to do the job, and I will have a panic attack yeah. and feel like I'm six years old. That's how stupid I am. Give me a math problem. Give me my eight-year-old kids math homework. And I'll say, oh, Francis, you do that. <laughs> there are certain things I'm fairly thick about. So I'm not doing the intelligent, holier-than-thou shtick. No. I'm not. I'm just saying you've got to keep this stuff consistent. Otherwise, if you're an annoying prick like me, and honestly, if you go on Twitter, a lot of the AW audience is like this, let's face it. You, you have to be consistent. Mm. I think that's fair. I think it's fair, considering the track record. I was about to say, yeah, 
I'm just glad to see there's never been any interference in any other world title matches. Absolutely. Me. I mean, whole way. Uh, right, time for Maybe the... this is just going to be a collision thing. And CM Punk has got a hold on this. And if so, long may it continue. Just be super consistent. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it was the Bing Bing Ging versus uh, Top Flight 2.0. Oh! Action Andretti filling the role of uh, Dante Martin. Get well soon, of course, to Dante Martin. I thought it worked really well as a team. Mm -hmm. we, we sort of talked a little bit about this before we came in. Um, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson is rubbing off more on the guns every week. They were just screaming and yelling at ringside. Great. Um, so early on, Darius fights off a double team, brings in Action Andretti, who hits a corkscrew moonsault on Juice Robinson. Um, and the uh, babyfaces take over until Robinson cuts off Andretti with a sidekick. And uh, the heels do what heels do. Beat up Andretti in the corner. There's a neck breaker off the apron. Crowd are chanting, Daddy doesn't love you to the, to the guns. Bullet Club do a nice pose to take us to a break. When we come back, Andretti's trying to get to the corner. Um, he finally gets there. Darius Martin runs wild. Uh, a combo DDT death drop thing on both uh, JY and Juice Robinson. Uh, he gets. Oh, he sends him out to the floor. Um, Andretti hits a ridiculous moonsault onto both of them, uh, and he kicks White into a German suplex by Darius Martin, which looked great for a near fall. Andretti goes for the split leg and moonsault. Robinson cuts him off, puts him in a tree of woe. Uh, Robinson cannonballs both of them. Pendulum DDT on Andretti. Uh, they get rid of uh, Darius Martin and. Uh, they just keep kicking the crap out of Action Andretti. Jay White finishes with the Blade Runner to get the one, two, three, and post match the guns get in to stick some boots to them as well as the uh, Bing Bing Gang celebrate. I really enjoyed this and I thought it was such an, a, a strong showcase from one of my new favorite acts in wrestling, the Bing Bing Gang. Bing Bing Gang. Bing 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 Gang. <laughs> oh my God, they are so good as a team. Yeah. Like we've seen it, obviously, but they've just worked two excellent matches. A lot of people considered them classics. I didn't go that far but they were nonetheless excellent. Oh, yeah. Um, and you don't just do that by having FDR versus two really good singles guys in a long match. It's not as simple as that. Um, Jay White and Juice Robinson are, in fact, an excellent team. Mm -hmm. And since Jay White is an excellent singles wrestler, you kind of get really excited about his future in AEW because it's becoming apparent that there's very little this dude can't do. Um, what I loved about this is I like having things justified to me, as I made very <laughs> abundantly clear in that intro. The idea is that matches with two quote-unquote flippy guys can just feel excessive, bit choreographed, um, more interested in wowing the audience than, and I hate saying this, telling a story because these things are not mutually exclusive, but, you know, sometimes they can be. What I loved about this is that Jay White, and this is what FTR as heels were fantastic at as well, gave them absolutely minimal, minimal space in which to operate, just cutting them off, making them fight in these tiny areas, just smothering them, cutting them off, um, cutting that ring in half, tagging in and out, making the hot tag feel like really elusive mm. so that it makes the fans want it more. And what you do, particularly if your heels work in that sort of uh, strategy, against talents who've got a spectacular moveset is that if they can do it within these minimal spaces, it looks all the more strategic and spectacular. And it's not it's no longer a case of how can you do that with your body? 
because you're spectacular and agile and the height you can get is ridiculous because now everyone can do it and everyone does do it. So now the next level of this is the trick is how did you do that with such great timing in such a contained space? Yeah. And I thought Jay White and Juice Robinson did an impeccable job of flattering their opponents and making their offense look fantastic. Yeah, and there's no doubt who was winning this. There wasn't, but uh, you yeah. kept you guessing. Yeah. And no, I just thought they did such a phenomenal, professional, selfless job. Um, and it made Andretti and Martin's work look urgent, strategic, and spectacular, as opposed to just, I oh, know it's three and a half star where it would have been four and a half, five years ago. Yeah. Uh, I was really, really impressed by the bing, bing, ging here. Uh, the announcers put over Willow Nightingale's week, obviously winning the Only Heart Cup and her brilliant performance in the uh, match against Athena at Death Before Dishonor. Well worth checking out if you haven't seen that, by the way. Oh my God, can I talk about it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. If you haven't already, go and watch Willow Nightingale versus Athena. And the rest of the ROH show, if you're like a, a, a wrestling fan with a lot of time, um, and you haven't got around to watching this, I would recommend this, like, wholeheartedly. Pac and Claudio was technically excellent. I didn't feel a great deal for it. I think the dynamic is probably a bit mm, wonky because yeah. Pac's hardly the... He's an, he's an exceptional wasn't wrestler. wasn't the plan, was it? It was injuries. Of yeah, it's not the plan. He's an exceptional pro wrestler, but you don't really want to get behind him winning a title. In contrast, there are... like I'm a little bit dead inside. I'm a little bit of a husk of a man. <laughs> I do invest in storylines when they're excellent, but very rarely am I, like, kind of clenching my fist, going, oh, go on, go on, win. I'll be gutted if you lose. Yeah. Willow Nightingale's performance in that main event, and Athena was amazing at making you feel like it couldn't happen. I won't spoil the result, but Willow Nightingale's performance in making you want to see her win, people should study it, even though it's not really the kind of thing you can learn. No. Great, great More stuff. People should try. She is amazing. Uh, Miro then dominated, although initially he was facing Nick Comarato. Nick attacked him during his entrance and controlled early on. Corner splashes, but at one point, Miro dodges one. German suplex, big kick, rips off his shirt, game over. Straightforward victory here for Miro. Let's just say the right person won. Yeah. Um, I like the structure of the match. It was a bit different. Um, one thing I love about Miro as well is the stamp before the game over, like right in the small of the back, uh, the coccyx. Yeah. Coccyx. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. I've been banging the drum on Miro being the guy to dethrone Orange Cassidy for months now. Might be switching to the bing bing gang. <laughs> Full disclosure. Or for Jay White. Either or. Jay White or even possibly Juice Robinson dethroning Orange Cassidy. Probably Jay White. I want Jay White to have the inverse of the Cassidy run. Yeah. I want Jay White to have this thing for ages and just cheat and be a dick in so many different ways. I trust him to come up with them so you can have the other side of the coin. Well, like now, you kind of want a bit of a change. But if you have a baby face building and building at the same time Jay White's doing that, and be a star, star-making arc. Yeah, and have Juice Robinson introduce him, because I'm sure the way he would say international champion would be a yeah. popper every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, big highlight package showcasing FTR's excellent matches uh, over the course of their time in AEW. Uh, we're going to hear from them later on in the evening. And then it was time for the trio's title match. It was the House of Black versus the acclaimed and Billy Gunn um, and Max Caster. I was going to write down what he talked about, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> basically, he started addressing Buddy Matthews, let's say, and uh, got the got attacked as part of the entrance, which was just great. I say some wrestling fans, I've met so many in real life, and they're all awesome. So I like to think it's an idiotic vocal minority with no life whatsoever. But can you imagine being so pathetic? I understand some of it's a meme, right? But can you imagine being so pathetic to say, what's the equivalent here? Um, taking the mick out of David Schwim- uh, Jennifer Aniston because Ross Geller cheated on Rachel Green and Friends. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Yeah. Like, I've heard that there, I've read like, I'm not even in the soaps, so I don't know how I've actually read this. I've read interviews or like seen interviews with soap opera actors, mm. right? Who have people in the streets saying, how could you do that to the character? Yeah. Are, are you joking? Like, what have you played? Was it Little Mo? Trev? Trevor? He said, oh, I just couldn't leave the house for about six months because... People thought you were like a violent sociopath yeah. and stuff. So maybe it isn't just wrestling fans. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus Christ, these people are portraying fictional characters. And quite frankly, if you believe that Rhea Ripley is having it off with Dominic Mysterio, it means she's doing an incredible job of making that act realistic. Yeah. You should be praising her. Do you know what I've not looked at? I should do this. Should check into this because of all the you know, tribalism in, in wrestling. Do you reckon uh, Barbie fans are there celebrating the box office at the weekend, going on to, like, Oppenheimer's Twitter being like, cry more? Oppen- probably, yeah, probably. Oppenheimer finished. Probably Poppenheimer. Poppenheimer. <laughs> like, people, I just don't know what's wrong with them no. sometimes. It is, I will say this, sometimes as a football fan, it's more fun to hate your rival team than it is to support your own team. But... Maybe that I shouldn't have be the to case. have the high ground because we've got this obsessed narrative. Yeah. Oh yeah. What is it like? Rent free. Rent free. Now they're obsessed with us. It goes both ways. It's stupid. I can understand it vaguely in sport. Then again, if you get that thread and pull it down, it spools out. These are paid mercenaries who would wear the colours of any club if they were getting paid enough yeah. to do it, or if they were in a good enough position to sign for them, or if they were low enough down that it meets their diminishing. Um, stock. It's not eleven lads from Newcastle United. It's just from New- from the city of Newcastle. That's not how these yeah. things work. Yeah, I see. I saw one over the weekend. We uh, had a preseason friendly against Accrington Stanley. Um, we won, obviously, um, but uh, I think we conceded. Where is Accrington? Is that up here? Is, uh, no, I think it's. I think it's Merseyside. Accrington Stanley. Who are they? Uh, maybe I've no. I've, what you know, I've done there is I've associated that because of the advert. Where is Accrington Stanley? Is it not from up here? Accrington Stanley Football Club. Here we go. Uh, Lancashire. Lancashire. So we're both completely yeah, we're both wrong. We're both stupid. Apologies to Accrington Stanley fans. Oh, you've done them 3-2 as well. Yeah. Um, but we conceded in that game. I just saw it on my Twitter over the weekend. And the way Twitter is broken now, it is like, I don't know. This was, It was like six hours ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't realise. I was like, that's a bit of a late time to be, because it's all broken. Um, I went on, there was a Notts County fan going like, oh, not looking good for you in pre-season. What, you beat us in the playoff final? You've won? Yeah. You worry about League Two, dickhead? And then all the comments were just like, yeah, rent free. Why are you bothered about us? Why? Why care? Ah. I hate Mansfield, but I don't check on their pre-season yeah. results. Because they suck, that's why. <laughs> uh, right, so yeah, Buddy Matthews gets into it with Max Caster. Um, big brawl, and the House of Black just murder their opponents, basically, because they 
unleash Brody King on uh, Billy Gunn, for example. He nails him into the barricade and Bowens uh, with splashes, and that means Max, Cast- Max Caster is completely isolated. Max Caster. He gets completely isolated, um, and uh, he can't get to his corner, and even if he could, there's no one there. And then eventually, when there are people there, um, he goes to, goes to the corner. Brody King tries to take out Bowens and uh, Billy Gunn again, but Billy Gunn takes him down gets the hot tag, runs wild, and get his head taken off by Brody King. Huge lariat from him. Uh, and Alistair B- Malachi Black <laughs> hits the the Black Mass, or I saw it described as the end. Maybe that's the one we were because trying to remember. Because it was Tommy End. Yeah. yeah. Um, Clever. He's, he thinks really hard about this sort of stuff, doesn't he, Malachi Black? <laughs> to get the one, two, three, uh, the House of Black retain, retain, retain the trio's titles, easy for me to say. Um, and there's guns sitting there in the ring. Malachi just leans down and says something to him. We can't see what's said. But um, they leave. And out of nowhere, Billy Gunn starts unlacing his boots. The crowd can't believe what they're seeing. He leaves them in the middle of the ring. There's a, you still got it chant. Um, but no, Gunn leaves in his socks, basically, as the acclaimed look. They don't, they don't know what's going on here. He just brushes past them as he leaves. Um, mixed, teasing, sorry. Teasing a retirement. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed thoughts on the execution. First of all, great idea. An elusive proper angle slash hook for collision mm. forward, um, provided the, the acclaimed aren't on Rampage. Don't put them on Rampage this week. Keep, no. this, keep this one for collision. Hey, they won on Rampage. That was lucky, wasn't it? Ah, Christ, I, I did. You would have thought that. Um, so I like that there's a hook. I like how if it's not quite the end of Daddy Ass, spoiler, it isn't. Then the fact that they're thinking about it's probably overdue at this point. Um, love like the match itself was kind of just there and it functioned for the post match. I think the fact that it was so one sided without being a complete squash, it just felt like they'd been humbled. Mm. Didn't feel like they'd just been outright destroyed. I think that would have been too on the nose. But they were kind of humbled here. Embarrassed. It's like when you get like the Liverpool seven man you nil. Like, wow, that's a humbling that. That's the sort of thing that shouldn't make you ask questions about your performance mm-hmm. and the squad and all the rest of it. Like a proper humbling. So I like the how the match played out in service of the post-match angle. At the start, I thought, oh, this is really clever and realistic. Mm. Like if we're going to get this big emotional send-off, having, of all acts, the House of Black gently break kayfabe to put, a, put it over as a moment... Because I'm kind of ready for, to never watch Daddy Ass wrestle again. Personally, mm. again, I'm on an island with this. He's very over. Yeah, I'm very much of the... You know, like in Bedazzled, the film? I've never seen it. Uh, it's got um, Liz Hurley in it playing the devil. It's, it's worth watching. Um, <laughs> Why? Just uh, Brendan Fraser. I like him. All right. I like him a lot. Good plot, good acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, just worth a watch. Yeah. Um, but he's like, you know, oh, she's like, I'll give you like 10 wishes or whatever, and then I own your soul or something like that. Spoilers. Um, and what he's like, oh, but they're always, they've always got like a little, oh, that's not a wild one. And so he's like, I want to be a big sports star. And then he's got a tiny kiak. And he's like, oh, no, that's not what I <laughs> Really? But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> and um, it's like, for God's sake, can this WWE legend who keeps attaching himself to tag teams finally bloody retire? Not you, Billy Gunn. I wasn't talking about that one. <laughs> but yeah. It's it's one of those, isn't it? So I thought so if it was the actual send-off, like there was a real pathos in having a gentle KFA break. Again, there's a good and bad version of everything. And then the acclaimed were like, what? 
Oh, what's going on? So I was like, all right, okay, well, he's not retiring, and no. this is fake. Yeah. I felt really real at first. Um, I do hope they do a retirement match and they actually retire as a trio and Daddy Ass just finishes. Mm. Um, but it's a good story because ultimately you want your fans to feel a pang of anxiety over a development and then have that development not happen and you get the happy ending. People are infatuated with Daddy Ass. And when he... The House of Ass song. The House of Ass. So when he does, in fact, come back and, you know, win again, the fans will love it. I'm ready to just watch the Acclaim be a tag team. Yeah. Like when they said in 2020, you know, there's going to be a trios division. And the pandemic put paid to it. And Kenny Omega teased it on the boat. You think, oh, my God. You've got... You've got... Inner Circle. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express. The Elite. Like, there's some great works on the Dark Order. Even if you don't like that act, there was like, oh my God, you're going to get the most exciting action ever with stakes. Fast forward to Daddy Ass and Trio's title matches. And as much as he's over, it's not that good in the ring, is it? There's a ceiling. A, se- a ceiling of sentiment. Uh, Sorry for that. Well, speaking of tag teams, hey, tag teams, um, Tony Schiavone welcomes FTR to the ring. Cash really talks about unfinished business with several legitimate tag teams. Aussie Open, the Acclaim, the Young Bucks, but now they've got to focus on MJF and Adam Cole first. Um, But Cash says, looking down the lens to Adam Cole, do you really trust Max? Because I've got first-hand experience with him, thanks to the pinnacle about him being the the devil sort of thing. Uh, I know what kind of a man MJF really is. Dax Hallwood. Story time with Dax Hallwood, baby. He's uh, when he was young. He uh, he got he got his dad told me he had to go and get a job when he was a teenager, and uh, he'd work in this shop. And the well-off kids would come in and make fun of him. Uh, and uh, he talks about Cole and MJF seeing these tag titles and tag matches as a joke, comedy skits, dance breaks. There's a double clothesline chant in there. But he says, I sacrifice my body to make FDR the best tag team in the world. Next week, there's going to be no comedy. Uh, I'm going to do to Cole and MJF what I should have done to those teenagers when I was a teenager and kick their goddamn asses. Top guys, out. When I was three years old, my daddy gave me a... Uh, two seconds, I just Googled what these to... Um, yeah. <laughs> when I was three years old, my daddy gave me a hammer and a pick and said, go and get some gold. Go and get some gold, Dex. There's some gold in them there, Hills. There's some gold in there. That's because I'm from, I'm built different. Uh, I'm from a different generation, you know. Uh, I was digging gold when I was three years old. Uh, <laughs> this was not good. No. I understand, like, like, there's a right time to say certain things in a promo. Putting over the fact that you had a job at that age in some snot-nosed, little entitled, spoiled, blue-blood dickheads took the piss out of you for it. I'd be like, oh, Dax, I wish you'd kick the heads in as well. When you're doing the whole earnest, I've earned it, I'm from a different generation. You never worked a territory in your life, Dax. When you, you didn't, though, no. he acts like you did. Yeah. Um, back in my day, we never used to go to the dirt sheets. It's like, first of all, they did before your day, and your day started before you thought you started. Yeah. Um, I love that story, but when he was fighting uphill, to be honest, he could have said anything. What's happened now is that for the first time since, what was it, April 2022, FTR have found themselves on the opposite side of a ring with a team who are more over more over than they are. Yeah. It was 50-50 with the acclaim back in December. 
and in truth, I don't think there was any chance of a... F uh, I thought the fans were happy to just watch a babyface, babyface match then. For the first time since April 2022, FTR find themselves in a match against a team who are more popular than they are. A really great run, by the way, that long as babyfaces. Um, what do people love about this team? They are incredibly entertaining. They are kind of irreverent. And they've got this incredible catchphrase and all the rest of it. If you're going to do the whole, well, I work hard and all the rest of it, you're just coming across as lame compared to this really cool thing that everyone likes mm -hmm. and bitter about it. I think it's weird because if you're Dax Harwood's character, you kind of hate comedy, which you do. Um, you want things done in an old-fashioned way, which he does. And he respects the integrity of... Um, yes, business. <laughs> so he's going to say all of these things. I think there's, there was maybe a more subtle way of getting that point across and still being true to his character. Or maybe they were just fighting uphill because they have walked into this match against this sensation of a double act. Mm. And there was no way of being the more popular act. You can't just be more popular than MJF and Adam Cole no. are at the minute. You just can't. So maybe he was swimming upstream or fighting up an uphill battle or whatever cliche you want to put in front of it. <laughs> God knows I ain't no wordsmith. <laughs> um... But he just came across as the embittered, mm. like, bad-tempered um, loser, mm. quite frankly, in this segment. I don't, I don't get comedy these days. You got these surreal comics talking about stuff that don't, don't make no sense no more. I liked when Trigger fell through the bar on old fools <laughs> and horses, goddammit. <laughs> That's comedy. What's wrong with the part of the face? You know who the clowns are in his business. Uh, so uh, they were kind of doomed from the start. He was very much gotten to when yeah. he got heckled. And it's like, oh, don't do that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love the double clothesline as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all joke. laughing together. It's like that thing, I'm just laughing. I'm here with all my friends laughing. They're just out of shot. You know that meme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just loving the double clothesline with me and my friends, and they're just out of shot. Um, I, I don't think there's still a chance. Um... But he came off not particularly well here. But ultimately, this could indirectly work in the favor of the match. They are going to be working heel, whether they like it or not, I think, in the belly of the beast. <laughs> Connecticut. Yes. Um, also half of New York. It's, only, it's WWF territory, yeah. basically. Um, and MGF and Cole are going to be the baby faces in that match. Just as well that Dax Harwood is, A, part of one of the best heel tag teams ever, and B, just as well that um, he is going to work a little bit snugly with Maxwell. Yes. In particular. And but I, we'll get to that. I uh, I like I really like this because it made me think, yeah, they're coming together on Dynamite, obviously. The match is next week on Collision. Right of reply on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I if I have anything to go off. Um, I just love it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Double clothesline. <laughs> I love it as well, guys. I hate comedy. <laughs> Not the best night for FTR. No. But they were never going to have a good one in their defense. Go, if you're going to nick from WWE, do this week have Adam Cole and uh, MJF dress up as FTR. In those outfits. Yeah. Highlight <laughs> uh, package from Blood and Guts. It's as horrific as I remember it was. Blood everywhere, of course. Uh, and then it was time for Sky Blue versus Tyre Valkyrie, the in intended main event until bloody <laughs> uh, opening segment. Uh, and Tyre Valkyrie was looking a little bit different here. 
I think this officially was the heel turn. I think it's been sort of in the works for a while, and they couldn't really do it, I suppose, when she was in a, not home, well, it was home, hometown or home country. Home country. was the easiest way to see it. Patting Sky Blue on the head, knocking her down. Uh, She hits, uh, oh, Blue got knocked off the apron and speared on the floor, and a blue thunderbomb gets Ty Valkyrie's in near fall as we cut to picture in picture. When we come back again, uh, knocks her down. Then Blue comes back with a strike exchange, hits a rising knee and a low kick and a crossbody for a two count. She sets up for Skyfall, but uh, Valkyrie ties her up in the ropes, hit that sliding German suplex. Um, Blue tries to fight back but runs into a lariat. Valkyrie ties up Blue's legs, curb stomps her, one, two, three. Post-match, he grabs the mic, talks about winning. She says, I'm not the only one winning recently, though. Britt Baker did as well on Dynamite, although that was against an extra. Her words, not mine. And uh, she invites, for the first time ever this Wednesday, Taya Valkyrie versus Britt Baker, DMD. Britt, come and play with me. I didn't mind the match at all. Um, they're both kind of... Like, Taya Valkyrie's been stigmatized as someone who they don't want to go all the way with. Mm-hmm. Sky Blue's waiting for that first big one. So I thought they did a decent enough job of um, casting doubt over the outcome. So I was biting on some of the stuff they did, most of which was well-performed. Um, and you know what? Someone winning a match fighting someone else who's won a match to determine who's next up that ladder for the, a title opportunity or title shot. WWE speakers infected my brain. <laughs> um if you're going to do good, basic, simple booking on Collision, make it actually um, basic and logical, and this was that. Mm-hmm. Can't really do cartwheels over it. Ty- Tyra as a heel just makes sense now. Oh, my she's gosh. She's six different title shots. She needs something different. Yeah, she's good at it as well. Uh, nice video package on uh, AR Fox's win on Death Before Dishonor, and, of course, he's going to be fighting for the International Championship on Dynamite. We'll preview that later on this week. Collision uh, doing a lot of work on Dynamite's behalf. It's yeah. weird, that. Yeah, it's strange. Um, but then it was time for the main event, uh, CM Punk and Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks and Christian Cage. Uh, although Starks or Cage didn't really want to start this match. They both were on the apron, almost got counted out. And Starks only coming in when Cage had sufficiently weakened Punk. Great. Don't want to tag, don't want to tag, don't want to tag. Yep, yep, yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, so Starks comes in at the count of nine, basically. He immediately gets rolled up by Punk, who tries to go to sleep in. But Starks bails and, yeah, tags Christian Cage in who gets knocked all over the place. Um, and then, yeah, once, once... <laughs> oh, there we go. Thanks for that, love. Um, <laughs> once uh, Punk's sufficiently injured, that's when Starks wants to come in. Um, then Punk and Alan hit dives to both of them as we go to a break, uh, and they teased big news, did uh, Rick and Bonnie, as we went to the break. And when we come back, it's going to be a ladder match this coming week between Buddy Matthews and Andrade El Idolo uh, for the mask that was stolen by the House of Black. That's a cool idea, by the way, to keep retention. Yeah. Have they done that before? I don't remember them doing... Because the match was already announced, wasn't it? They'd already confirmed it was happening, I'm fairly certain, with a graphic. Um, but to say, like, big developments, stick around. I think it was a great In hook. general, I think that's a really cool um, tactic. Um, and we saw Scorpio Sky watching in a... Skybox at one point. Intriguing. You just looked like, oh, what do I do when the camera's on me? Intriguing. That Me- was their intention. Yes. It was theoretically intriguing. Um, Scorpio Sky just worked the one match on Collision. The only one I've seen, and yeah. it was uh, so dry. Yeah. Yeah, it was meant to be the whole, 
You know, when, remember when I know it was different because he had a title thing, but when MJF was like the the shadow looming over a big world title match, I didn't quite get the same vibes from this. If I'm honest, no, me neither. Um, so Punk gets over to Darby Allen finally. He gets the hot tag, runs wild. Um, he hits a dive onto Starks. Um, but then as he went to do it to Cage, he just got murdered by Luchasaurus, who just sort of dinosaur charged at him effectively. And then um, Cage throws him into the announce desk, which sort of, it was like, it broke the announce desk, which just looked... Oh, my God. I love it when it does that. Bumps all <laughs> over the place. Um, there's a snake eyes from Starks on Darby Allen. He hits him with a lariat. Um, near fall, another picture in picture. Darby Allen just beats the count out as we come back. Um Finally makes it uh, out of the way of a diving headbutt and tries to tag Punk back in, but Stocks rips Punk off the apron. Um, he fights his way free, though, and manages to make a tag to Punk eventually, who comes in with rising knees. He also did a Bam Bam Bigelow cartwheel at one point, because Punk does what he likes. Um, Punk hit the Pepsi twist on Cage for a nice near fall. Uh, hit a high crossbody, but Christian rolls through and almost gets the pin himself. Um, Punk knocks Christian off the top rope and hits that elbow drop of his for a two count. Cage tags in Starks, who runs straight into a GTS attempt, but he turns it into a roll-up. Punk tags in Darby Allen, who, uh, well, he tries... Sorry. Ricky Starks tries to spear him. Darby Allen dodges the first one, and the second one, he gets, like, clipped on his knee and rotated. looked awesome. Um, he got a Rochambeau did Starks then for another two count. Starks? Bought that. Yeah. So Starks takes Darby Allen up for a superplex, and somehow Darby Allen turns it into a death drop DDT from oh the top my rope. Yeah, Cage has to break up. Oh my god! Punk gets involved. He takes Christian Cage out to the floor. He hits a GTS on him out on the floor. Allen sets up for a coffin drop. Luchasaurus crotches him on the top rope. Starks sets up for a second Rochambeau. Darby Allen rolls him up. Starks reverses that roll up and again grabs the ropes to get the pinfall victory. What I was saying earlier was, I contemplated writing, CM Punk loses again, but I thought, uh, yes, he did, but he didn't eat the pinfall, and it's people who say that's hyperbolic of me. So I've just written, Ricky Starks cheats again, because that's the story. It is a story, and the fact that he's doing it week to week in a focused, um, prominent position on a lean roster that doesn't have the rotating cast, at least to the extent that Dynamite does. Is really working. It's there's pros and cons to both approaches, and, and they are in fact separate now between Collision and Dynamite, where you either have a rotating cast and have not the same guys getting beat every week, but many of the same guys winning every week, so that people don't get churned and all the rest of it. It's easy to lose sight, even like Takeshita after double or nothing hasn't had the most amount to do. And it's like, he should be one of the biggest acts on mm. the show. And that's a problem with like, the way Tony Khan approaches Dynamite. But the flip side of that is, who can lose this match in this tag team match? You don't want Punk to lose too often. He's a no. big star. Starks has just won the Owen. You don't want to make that meaningless. Christian is kind of a champion and not really. Yeah. You've you already got the established. And you want the heels to win because you want to build on Starks. But with the small cast, and they don't like to do DQs too often, with this way, someone has to lose. And that's fine. But, again, it's there's a disadvantage to everything, because Darby Allen is the number one contender of the TNT title. He's literally, in storylines anyway, the night before 
just won. Yeah. And now he's, I know they're cheating. Maybe I'm thinking about it too much. But with this approach and the smaller cast, that doesn't rotate as much. People have to lose even though they've just won something sometimes. I wouldn't class it as 50-50 necessarily, but there's always that risk. Um, this match went 25 minutes. Yeah. Did I need it to go 25 if I'm being brutal? I think maybe one fewer hot tag might have helped mm -hmm. it become something like truly special. As it is, <clears throat> I was gripped throughout all 25 minutes and thought it was excellent. Like, absolutely excellent. Like, four, three masters and one person who has the chance to be a master. And I include at this point, already, Darby Allen as a master. The kid is, the guy, is he's incredible at what he does. Um, I love Punk in this match. Even when his stuff doesn't look great, he just knows when to do it. And that means so much more. Like the drop kicks. Yeah. Never looked particularly great. No. Um, but he's when to do things, how to like lay out a match is just almost unparalleled. Um, so that was excellent. But it was the Christian Cage Derby stuff for me. Like they, for a long match, again, 25 minutes, this crowd never dipped. No. Un unlike the first FDR Bing Bing Ging match, they never dipped. They were in for it. So maybe it is the right length of match to do. Um, but I'll take away from this, as good as it was as a tag team match, and they built the hot tags brilliantly. And there was one great cutoff with Christian Cage. Mm -hmm. In terms of a proper classical style tag team match, this was great. But I will take from it the Christian Cage, Darby Allen individual sequences and give me that singles match post haste because. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, oh God. Wrestling's weird in that there's certain different styles that I can take just as seriously as quote unquote more realistic styles like shoot style or grapple f in the moment because they operate under their own emotional logic. Um, I can watch a Young Bucks match and be spellbound. Mm -hmm. Even though the choreography, while seamless, is still choreographed. There is nothing like a bit of a struggle with mm -hmm. two moves that can make sense in virtually every single wrestling context. Like you can do a suplex in a real fight because I can see, you can see in amateur wrestling and you can do cradle pins and that standing suplex where Darby Allen was just kicking his legs and kicking his legs and wearing down the resistance and then got to the inside cradle. Like, it's the most simple thing. It is painless to do because no one's bumping, and yet the amount of drama that they got out of that one spot, the sense of struggle, mm. was just, like, absolutely liquid professional wrestling. And I adored it. And I need to see Christian Cage versus Darby Allen. Yeah. Maybe that's the plan. Do you know how they've got that all out, all in deal? Yes. Where people are wondering how they're going to cross the streams of the stories. Is it going to look like it's half of one card going to look like a rule two? Yeah. And the other one's going to look like a rule two to the respective events. Uh, Darby Allen doing Luchasaurus at all out and Christian Cage at all in. Like, please. Oh, my God. I need to see Derby versus Christian because that was sumptuous pro wrestling. Chuck Sting into the mix if you want as well. Oh, my God. He brings snow and Ice Age killed the dinosaurs, so. Too far. Okay, fair enough. Uh, right, let's know your thoughts on AW Collision on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. Uh, you can follow. Sorry, I shouldn't call it Twitter. I should call it X. 
X. That's what it's called. Jesus Christ. Uh, follow Michael Sidgwick on there. Whilst it still exists. Uh, at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review of myself and Sidgwick is available right now. And we'll be back later on today to preview Mandalorian. But for now, this has been the AW Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.